All right. So my prayer, uh, prayer sermon, my sermon title is, If at first you don't exceed, succeed, pray, pray again. And I want to read um, the story that it correlates to. So if you can follow me to Mark 9, verse 14 through 29. So I'm going to start reading. When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you guys arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell into the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. And when he had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. This is the word of the Lord. So when I was preparing my sermon, I was thinking about what I could uh, you know, speak on. And it took me back to... Um, this mission trip to Chiapas, and before we went to Chiapas, uh, I was suffering from like pretty like hardcore anxiety, just anxiety that didn't make any sense. I like for some reason um, kept thinking that I had like this terminal disease. I would go online and um, search up these symptoms, and these symptoms would correlate to like diseases such as cancer, like like COPD or whatever it is. And then I convinced myself that I had those diseases. And, um, yeah, my life was uh, just not good. And I kept thinking over and over and over again. And uh, my joy was really robbed. And I couldn't be happy. And um, I started to really believe that I had those diseases. And my life just went downhill. And I started to cry for no reason. And I really didn't have any hope and didn't really make any sense because... Out of the symptoms, I had maybe like two, <laughs> but, but my mind would just uh, convince me that, you know, I had those diseases. So coming into Chiapas mission trip, I was um, battling this anxiety, and um, this anxiety was making me really not, really, really not want to go to the mission trip, and I was really struggling with going, and I was thinking that if I was struggling with this mindset, how could I be a help to the, help to the team? And I felt like if I went, I would, um, I would seclude myself and not really be a part of it. And that's kind of what was happening during the practices. I would sit, sit by myself, 
not talk to anybody. And um, yeah, it kind of was showing then. But then when we went to the mission trip, my dad told me, you know, I think this mission trip is going to do something really good for you. I think your mind's going to be preoccupied with serving the Lord, being in the presence of the Lord, and it's going to really help you. And before, before we um, actually got to Chiapas, I was really um, reading the scriptures, reading Mark, and I came across a story. And I think this story really um, exemplified what I was going through. I was going through the unbelief of my father, uh, going through the unbelief like the father was experiencing, and um, the disciples also forgot about prayer. And I think that's what I was also forgetting about. So going into my first point, well, there's the main passage. That's the passage I'm focusing on. But the main, well, first point is talk to someone, Jesus, whoever. And I think talking to people is really, really good. And in uh, Mark uh, 22, it says Jesus asked the boy's father, "How long has he been like? How how long has he been like this? From childhood?" He answered, "It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us." You know, Jesus through the through His grace gave the opportunity to the Father to share his thoughts and to share what he was going through. And when Jesus did that, this man, this father, was able to air his grievances and to realize um, he was hopeless. Without Jesus, he came to the realization that without Jesus, he can do anything. And in that line, the last line is, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. So talking to people, talking to Jesus, whoever it is, can help you come to the realization that, you know, you're not by yourself, but only through Jesus you can get the, this comfort and this rescue. And I have three people in my life, I mean, not in my life, but three people recently that you know, I do talk to and I try to share my grievances and try to share, share about my feelings. And one of them is my sister Eliza right here. And sometimes we'll talk about you know, sermons that we listen to, scriptures that I don't understand. And um, I, for example, I talked to her about my anxiety and she, um, yeah, she really helped me um, come to the realization that if I put my hopes into Jesus, into Jesus, that everything will be fine. And she has this really methodical way of um, helping you to like pinpoint what your triggers are. And she would, yeah, she, she when I was talking to her, she would like help me pinpoint my triggers. And yeah, just talking to her made me really realize, you know, I'm not by myself, but Eliza's there to help me as well. And another guy that, you know, is really, I really treasure, and we both have pretty similar mindsets, is my cousin Justin. I don't know if he's here today, but Justin and me have very similar mindsets. We think very similarly, and we were going really through the same things. And he was the one that um, told me first that he was going through this crazy anxiety. And I was like, wow, I'm having the same thing. And we were talking together, and... <clears throat> He, he was a. Uh, we, we were doing the exact same things. We would go online, search up symptoms, and we we convinced ourselves that we had these diseases, which didn't make any sense. And he went to the doctors multiple times. I went to the doctors like six times within the past month to continually check on my health. And every time I went, you're fine, you're healthy, but you know my mind wouldn't accept that. And. I would get like this new ache or he would get this new ache and then we'd go on the online again. And then we, yeah, we convince ourselves we have this new disease. And me really talking to him and sharing our feelings about this, it made me really feel better. 
And um, he has a way of humbling me as well. Like, I would be telling him about these symptoms, but he would also say, you know, God is good. If you put your faith into God, God's going to, you know, be there for you. And I kept missing that point. I was like, you know, that's easier said than done. But Justin continually, continually humbles me by pointing to God while I couldn't point to God. And he's, and you know, I'm starting to become a pastor, and he's um, just, he's, he's, he's a follower of God, lover of God, but he was pointing to me to put my faith into God. And another person I really treasure that I really talk to as well is uh, my sister. My sister's here, and um, yeah, I truly, truly love her, truly treasure her. And yeah, she means the world to me. And the best thing about my sister is uh, we can talk in the car. I can tell, tell her about how I'm feeling. And she'll never, she'll never try to correct me. She'll never try to teach me anything. But she stays quiet and she says stuff like, yeah, I understand. I understand what you're going through. And that, like, with her not trying to teach me and not trying to correct me and letting me just talk about my feelings, it's so great. And, you know, I, I love her so much and I treasure her a lot. And this quote from uh, Rick Osack says, Refusing to ask for help when you need it is refusing someone the chance to be helpful. Another quote is, Be strong enough to stand alone, smart enough, smart enough to know when you need help, and brave enough to ask for it. You know, I used to have this preconception that, you know, asking for help or... Um, you know, going to people when you need uh, when you need things, it was it was being weak. And you know, as a male, that as a male, I last thing I want to do is appear weak. But you know, I talking to even Eliza, Eliza would say, you know, that's not being weak. Being vulnerable is not being weak, but it's actually um, a show of strength, a show of courage. Because being vulnerable to people is not easy. It's not easy to share your feelings. It's not easy to um, show your weaknesses to them. But, you know, Pastor Ken, you know, talked about being the church. And I think the great thing about the church and being around your brothers and sisters of Christ is the ability to commune with each other and uh, to share what we're feeling and to learn from each other. And I learned from Eliza, I learned from Justin, and I learned from my sister. And I think those are great testaments to what being the church is being a communion, uh, to being a, uh, to be a, a community of followers of Christ, to love each other, to help each other, to help us grow, and to really just be there for each other. And Proverbs twelve fifteen says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a man who listens, but a wise man listens to advice." And Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where no counsel is, the people fall." But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So this verse is saying, by yourself, you know, it's not easy. But when you have a multitude of your brothers and sisters counseling each other, you guys can get through things that seem impossible. <sighs> yeah. My point number two. You know, Jesus meets us where we're at. This, this father says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, I think this kind of mirrors what we go through in our Christian lives. You know, we say, I believe in my, with my head, but not my heart. Or the other way around. My heart says yes, but my mind says no. That's kind of a weird statement if you really think about it. 
But I think this father was going through the exact same thing that I was just saying. He was struggling with believing because he had just put his faith in the disciples to cast out this demon from his son, but he wasn't able to do it. So he realized at that moment Jesus was the only way. But he still had doubt because his disciples weren't able to do it. You know, but how often do we go through this crisis in our own faith where we, we say that we believe with our head or we believe with our heart or we believe with our heart or we believe with our head? But I want to share something. Jewish concept of faith is something I admire, and I think we can learn a lot from uh, studying the, um, the Jewish faith as well. And I think this kind of correlates to uh, what this man was going through. You know, in the Hebrew, the heart, which is called the lev or levav, is the center of human thought and spiritual life. When we as Christians, we tend to think that the heart refers mainly to our emotions. But in Hebrew, it also refers to one's mind and thought as well. So many cultures assume that the heart was the seed of intelligence. And without an advanced understanding of um, physiology, it makes sense because they didn't know what we know now. But the heart is the only moving organ in the body. And strong emotions cause the heartbeat to, to race. When the heart stops beating, a person is dead. Because the Hebrews were a concrete people who used physical things to express abstract concepts, our heart was the metaphor of the mind and all mental and emotional things. So that's why it says, I forget the verse, in Deuteron- maybe it's in Deuteronomy, keep, the, keep um, the words of the Lord with all your heart or something like that. They don't say heart and mind because in the Jewish or in the Israelite culture, there was no difference. To, to believe with the heart was to believe with both mind and heart. And I think that's something that we can uh, learn from the Jewish faith, the Israelite faith. So it's apparent that this man accepted with his heart and when, when we do the same, by, by doubting, we also probably haven't accepted with our hearts. You know, Mark, we'll go back to Mark 9.24. It says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, this is an honest confession that comes from a man whose son was demon-possessed. He wasn't fully convinced Jesus had uh, the power to deliver his son, but he asked anyway. This passage debunks two of the greatest misconceptions about prayer. That if we have enough faith, God will answer our prayers. And if we don't, he won't. Scripture doesn't support that idea that great faith produces great miracles and small faith prevents them. Instead, God, God tells us to ask in faith, believing that he can and will answer us. And he will answer our prayers and he, the way he knows is best. Even frightened, tiny mustard seed faith like this father can and does move the hand of God. So this, so this scripture, it doesn't really matter that we have this little faith. If we still come in front of Jesus, even with this little faith, God's going to listen to our prayers. And he's going to move his hands to do mighty things and mighty works. So it's not like just because... Say, for example, Julian has this awesome and great faith, and, for example, Linda doesn't have uh, as great of a faith. If you guys both petition and pray to God, 
God's going to listen to both your prayers. And God's going to, you know, do his best, if it's according to his will, to answer you guys' prayers. You know, for um, this kind of um, meeting, meeting God where we're at kind of reminds me of when I was um, first accepting, uh, first on my, on my journey to accepting Christ in my life, I would say to um, this man, his name was Jeff, and we were in YWAM, and he would say, you know, God can use you, but I would always say stuff like, I'm too filthy for God to use me right now. When I get better, when I become a better man, more faith, read the Bible more, pray more, then, then I'll come to God and God can use me then. But God doesn't care about those things because if you look at the history of, um, the, history of the, the Israelite faith, I mean the his, history of the Bible, you'll see God continually uses uh, people that are not, quali- not qualified to do his works. So God can use anyone, and if you feel like you're not qualified, guess what? God qualifies you to do his work. So it doesn't matter where you are in your faith. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. If God chooses you, you can do the work that God has planned for you, and you're qualified. So never, never disqualify yourself from doing his work. I'm going to go to my third point. Oh, and this is the verse. The reason that God, you know, answers, even if you have little faith, is if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So even if you do not have faith, or if you have little faith in him, he is still faithful. And since God is faithful, he cannot deny himself. So he will listen to you and answer your guys' prayers. My third point is pray, pray, pray. And this is the this is the main uh, the the main verse that I was focusing on. It says, "If you can to Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes." For me, believing, if you believe, you pray. So why do we pray? For me, prayer gives you hope. It allows you to think of a better possibility than what is in front of you. Prayer gives you possibility to imagine what if. Can God make my situation better? Can God make the unthinkable happen? Can God make miracles happen? Yeah, the answer is yes. He can do all of those things. But it's also a way to show God your submission, to show that you put your faith and trust into God and that you're putting, putting your life in his hands. You know, prayer is a form of submission telling God, I can't do this, but you can. You know, Pastor Ken mentioned last week, if we try to do things on our own, we will fail. So praying to God is saying that we can do this together with you leading the way. This verse, going back to this verse, it says, if you believe all things are possible. But remember, don't take this verse out of context. If it's in line with God's will, then yes, all things are possible. So how can you figure out what things are in God's will? It's to continually be in God's presence, continually to read the scripture, continue to to pray so your minds and your hearts align with the will of God and you don't think of this selfish, um, yeah, you don't be selfish with your thoughts and you're selfish with your prayers because what you might want or what you are hoping for is possibly not in line with what God wants 
and what God has for you in your life. You know, so I, I'm thinking about my um, terminal uncle at this point. You know, he's suffering from lung cancer, and we just found out that he has um, three months to live without treatment and six months to live with treatment. And to be honest with you, I pray to God daily. I pray to God, you know, if it's your will, use, um, use this as a testament of your goodness. Use, uh, use his healing as a way to glorify your name. But to be honest with you at this, um, you know, I, 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 it's because I believe that I pray those things, but I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know if that's in God's will or if that's what God has in plan for, for his life or if that's what God wants. And I'm going to tell you the truth, that's something, for, that's something hard for me to, to grasp and hard for me to swallow. You know, sometimes I would think, you know, why wouldn't God want to help and uh, heal my uncle and uh, cure him of this terminal cancer that he's suffering from? But, you know, the thing is, God is God, and we can't possibly as humans know everything, the way God works, God's will. But like I mentioned just previously, if, if we read the scripture, we pray and be in his presence, we can better understand what God's will is. And, you know, I hope, you know, I continually pray and I hope that it is God's will that my uncle will be healed. And it's because I believe that I continue to pray those things. <sighs> yeah. Daniel 9, 18 says, we do not make requests of you. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your grace, great mercy. You know, God's mercy, not our goodness, is the basis for our answers to prayer. So, yeah, just mentioning my terminal uncle again, I hope, I hope and pray to God daily. You know, if, it, if it's in your mercy, if it's in your grace, you know, I would love and I would pray and, and I really hope that you can heal my uncle. And, you know, 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, God, God does delight in answering our prayers that align with his will. But how do, we know with, how do we know what God's will is? Like I mentioned previously, the most reliable way to know is by reading his word. As we seek God through uh, reading Reading and prayer, we get to know his heart, and we gain wisdom and spiritual insight. This gives us a greater understanding on, on how to pray according to his will and the greater chances of having our prayers answered. So the bottom line is God answers every prayer that aligns with his will. So let's go back to the disciples. You know, the disciples, they had tried casting out the demons, but they forgot one thing. They didn't pray. And God at the end says, only through prayer and fasting can these things, um, can, you, can you cast out those type of demons. So, yeah, looking back at disciples, they forgot about prayer. They believed they could cast out this demon on their own merit. Jesus himself said this, this kind can only come up by prayer. But some translations, they omit um, the fasting part of the prayer. It's just, in some translations, it says this can only come out by prayer. And it's, it's thought that later, later um, people added 
the, the part about fasting. I think they did this because they, they believed that um, maybe praying was just too simple. But they might not have been able to perceive that what is the most simple is most taken granted for and is really the most important. Why? Because it, ca- because it causes one to cease looking at himself and to look to God. Ben Worthington, um, a biblical scholar, says this. Mark wants us to, pro- to proclaim that this type of discipleship does not result from the effectiveness of one's piety, but only from the action of God. So let me ask you guys this. When was the last time you guys prayed and actually believed that God will answer? I know a lot of the times I'm guilty of uh, praying to God without really believing that he will answer my prayers. A lot of times I just pray to pray, you know. Say, um, God, can you do this for me? But in my head, I'm probably not thinking that he's probably going to answer those prayers. But I think if we pray with conviction and really truly believe that the words that are coming out of our mouths when we pray, and when we pray according to his will, I don't see why that God wouldn't answer our prayers. So I want to end with this little short story about prayer. And I thought it was a a cute, funny, funny story. So a woman was at work when she received the phone call that her small daughter was very sick with fever. She left her work and stopped by the pharmacy to get some medication. She got back to her car and found that she had locked her keys in the car. She didn't know what to do, so she called home and told the babysitter what had happened. The babysitter told told her that the fever was getting worse. She said, you might find a coat hanger and use that to open the door. The woman looked around and found an old rusty coat hanger that had been left on the ground, possibly by someone else who at the same time had locked their keys in their car. She looked at the hanger and said, I don't know how to use this. So she prayed to God and asked him to send her help. Within five minutes, a beat-up old motorcycle pulled up with a dirty, greasy, bearded man who was wearing an old biker's skull rag on his head. The woman thought, this is what you sent to help me? But she was so desperate, so she just kept quiet. The man got off his cycle and asked if if he could help. She said, yes, my daughter's very sick. I stopped to get her some medication, and I locked my keys in my car. I must get home to her. So can you please use this hanger to unlock my car? He said, sure. He walked over to the car, and in less than a minute, the car was opened. She thanked the man and thought, and through her tears, she said, thank you so much. You are a very nice man. The man replied, lady, I'm not a nice man. I just got out of prison today. I was in prison for car theft, and I've only been out for about an hour. The woman thanked the man again, and with sobbing tears, cried out loud, Oh, thank you, God. You even sent me a professional. <laughs> so let me end with this last, last verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. So let's continue, continue to pray, and if it doesn't work... If it doesn't succeed, pray, pray, pray again. Pray without ceasing. Pray within God's will. And I think, um, yeah, things will turn out the best. And I hope things will turn out better. So let's pray. You know, dear Lord, we just lift you up at this time. 
a lot of us have, a lot of us are going through maybe what this, uh, the father was going through, going through mixed belief, little, little faith, unbelief. But we know, God, that doesn't matter. You'll meet us where we're at. You'll answer our prayers regardless. You love us so much. And with the example of Jesus Christ, we can learn so much more. And I would pray that we also take the examples and the lessons that were taught to the disciples about prayer and how important prayer is, Lord. We hope to pray according to your will, Lord, and we love you so much. We pray all these things in your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.